Hey everybody, this is Jamie Nunley, lead pastor of Victory Fellowship Church. Thanks for listening to the VFC Sermon Podcast. At the end of this episode, please take a moment to download our free VFC Thomasville app, where you can access all of our messages, sermon notes, announcements, and small group lessons. This app is the easiest way to keep up with everything going on here at VFC. So please enjoy the following sermon. We hope it encourages you in your walk with Jesus and helps you to belong, believe, and become. Enjoy. Thank you. Good to see you guys. Uh, We are in between series right now. Next week, we'll start our series called I Have Decided. I encourage you to... uh, Make sure that you listen or attend in person, whichever one, for all of those messages. We're going to get back to the basics. We're going to talk about what it means to follow Jesus uh, and how we can do that practically in our lives on a day-to-day basis. I'm really excited about that. Uh, I got alone with the Lord for about three days, the first week of December, and prayed about, uh, you know, what are we going to be preaching on, Lord, this next year? And that's the first thing I heard was this series. So I know it's a timely word for all of us. And so um, I'm excited about that. Today, I wanted to talk about the idea of great expectations, right? It's the first Sunday of 2021. Much has been made about the previous year. Uh, And so I just want to ask the question, hey, as believers in Jesus and followers of Christ, what should we expect here we are, we, we, the, the calendar has switched over to yet another year. I was telling the kids, I, just, I, I literally just got used to writing 20 at the end of stuff. Like it just seems like, for whatever reason, that this was the longest, shortest year ever. It was really odd for us. Um, and, and here we go, I wrote 21 on a check for the first time, and I thought, this is weird. But here we are, 2021. And I just want to remind you, again, everyone's made fun of how difficult this past year has been, but, but you know God's been good through all of it. You, you know, he's remained king through all of it. Jesus is still on the throne. His presence is still available. His Holy Spirit reaches out to you, convicts you, comforts you. His word is still true. He's still good. And I just, I just want to encourage you, look, I, you know, if, if you experienced uh, significant trauma, fear, pain this last year, leave it in last year. And we're going to continue to trust the Lord moving forward. I want to talk about the idea of great expectations. Great expectations is the name of a classic book, but, but also something I believe that we should have not just in a new year, not just a new month or new week, but every single day. So I want to back up for a second and talk about what are expectations. And, and I want to give you a really simple definition. Expectations are assumed outcomes. Now, I'm talking about an expectation. I'm talking about an assumed outcome, right? Something is about to happen, and you assume that this is how it's going to go. I mean, think about it. Don't even think about this next year. Think about how we use this word. A pregnant woman is called an expectant mother because she's expecting to have a child soon. Uh, Even our daily life, when we turn on the lights or when we sit down in a chair, we're just expecting that everything's going to work. You know, when you sat down in the chairs here this morning, you didn't like go up to it and start you know, looking at it and, and checking the bolts underneath. And No, you just sat on it expecting it to do its job, right? 
And so we have expectations all the time. We just don't think about them. I believe that God wants you to have great expectations for this next year. See, God is an optimist. Think about that. Romans 5 talks about the fact that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Isn't that interesting? He didn't wait on us to prove to him that we deserved it. He didn't wait on us to start acting. If you'll start acting right, then I'll die for you because then I'll know that it'll be a good investment on my part. No, he didn't do that, did he? He said, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and die for them, trusting that they're going to respond. He's an optimist. Now, God's also a realist, but God isn't a pessimist. And so sometimes that pessimism works its way into our hearts. But if we're going to follow Christ, we need to be how Christ is. And we can see that God is an optimist. See, your expectations affect the quality of your life. Your expectations, what you're expecting will affect the quality of your life. And you've experienced this before. You know, you can have good expectations, positive expectations, or bad expectations, you know, negative expectations. When expectations are exceeded, then we're pleasantly surprised. Oh yeah, I was pleasantly surprised when I ate that meal. I was pleasantly surprised at that movie, right? Why? Because your experience exceeded your expectations, When your expectations are not met, then you're disappointed. You're like, ah, that wasn't really what I thought it was going to be. That wasn't what I hoped it would be. You know, you usually find what you're looking for. If you expect something to be bad all the time, you'll be looking for bad all the time. And guess what you'll find? Bad, right? You, you probably know people like this or you, you've been like this yourself. Maybe you are right now. Well, this sermon isn't going so great. <laughs> Whatever you are looking for, usually you can find. And so however you've trained yourself, whatever you've trained yourself to expect is what you'll most likely experience. Not because your expectations are changing the world around you, but because it's affecting what you see. So we have to make sure that, that we are expecting good things, so we'll be looking for good things, and when those good things come, we'll experience the good. Does that make sense? Okay? You know, when we're disappointed, when something happens in a way that we don't want it to happen, our, our circumstances aren't what we want it to be, or someone does something that we wish they hadn't done, it's really important to ask the question, what was I expecting? That helps identify um, the way, why you feel the way that you feel about what happened. What was I expecting? You know, maybe you got together this past holiday season and, and hung out with family, and maybe it wasn't a good experience. Maybe someone was acting weird or, or, or doing things that you wish they wouldn't do, and you're just kind of, so many times we just get kind of, you know, angry and, and, and not happy and If we'll stop and ask ourselves, what was I expecting? We can understand why we feel the way and then we can adjust our expectations. Does that make sense? If you want to learn this superpower, this is crazy. You can actually, before you go into an environment, before you go to that family gathering, before you start work this Monday, you can go ahead and ask yourself, what am I expecting right now before I even get there? 
And then as you go through your Monday, through your Tuesday, through your week, then you can, you can, you can change before it even happens your response to the world around you. Am I making sense this morning? And so I want you to understand that your expectations affect the quality of your life. If your quality of life isn't that good, maybe you need to up your expectations. Maybe you need to start looking for the good around you and not focusing on the bad. If we rely too heavily on our expectations, we can have inaccurate opinions about things or people. You ever had someone say, hey, you know, you've got to go see this movie. This is a great movie. And you watch it and you're like, that wasn't any good. Why? Because they had built up your expectations and your experience didn't match your expectations, right? Or, or, or if, if someone says, hey, you know, that, this is dumb. This movie's stupid. It's not that good. And you watch it and you're like, hey, that wasn't bad. Why? Your expectations were so low that it, it turned out to be okay. Are you with me? So we can apply this, we can apply this concept in our lives with people. You know, if you ex- constantly expect a ton of perfect stuff from imperfect people, you're gonna be disappointed. You're gonna be disappointed. But if you can adjust your expectations, you know, I, I have fairly low expectations of people. I just, I don't want you to hurt me or my family. And we're pretty much good at that point. I just, I just, I've learned at this point. I mean, every once in a while, something jumps up and I get disappointed. I'm like, I can't believe they did that. But man, I hear crazy stuff that people do. And I think, yep, that's people, you know? And, and, and I'm not talking about being jaded. I'm just talking about recognizing that, that you can save yourself a lot of heartache if you don't always expect everything to be perfect all the time. And so we have to be careful with our expectations. You know, it's interesting. You've heard of the idea of a placebo. So when uh, like a, a, a pharmaceutical company is releasing a new medicine, they'll do tests to see how effective it is. And what they'll do is they'll, they'll split people into groups. They'll give one group the actual medicine. And then they'll give another group what's called a placebo. It's not the medicine. It doesn't affect you in any way. But they won't tell those people that they have a placebo. They'll make them think that they're actually taking medicine. And you know what happens is that a percentage of those people who think they're taking medicine and are actually not feel better. Why? Because they think they feel better. <laughs> right? In reality, they're just, they're not taking anything. Now, now, a placebo won't literally change the problem. It won't lower your cholesterol. I think I can, right? But what it will do is if you're experiencing pain specifically, in, in, in particular, it'll help you feel better. Like people, like it especially has to do with, with, with pain and how you deal with pain. People who are recovering from chemotherapy, people who are recovering from surgery, they found that placebo in, in many cases works almost as well as actual pain medication. Why? Their expectations. They're expecting that by popping that pill, by taking that medicine, they're going to feel better. And so their expectation makes it a reality. You can learn to expect great things even when you don't see your assumed outcomes happen. 
So, now that we understand what expectations are, I want to share with you two expectations I personally have for myself this next year that I want to encourage you to adopt for yourself this year. And I want the entire church to consider adopting this expectation for yourself. You know, maybe you say, well, hey, I'm going to get in shape some this year, and uh, which, uh, you know, I've made that. As a matter of fact, my oldest son and I are in a competition. We've decided that uh, we're going to see who can lose the most weight by June 1st. And the loser has to go on Facebook Live and write a song and sing about how great the other person is. <laughs> That's what motivates us, public embarrassment. So... Um, so yeah, so whoever you're rooting for, uh, Team Ethan or Team Jamie, uh, you can let the other person know, but uh, that's happening. So I'm excited about that. But, but I, maybe you, you, you've decided to start doing something, start, stop doing something, whatever, you know, is like a New Year's resolution that you may have. But th- this, these are two big picture things I want, I'm personally expecting for 2021 that I think you should, and I want our entire church family to consider. And, and here, here is the first thing that I'm expecting in 2021 is to abide in Christ. To abide in Christ. The idea of abiding is, is unique to Scripture. And I, I want to read the passage to you in John 15, verse 4. And then I want us to talk about what that means. I want to give you a mental picture I hope stays with you. I've shared it before, but I really want you to understand what it means to abide. John 15, verse four, Jesus is speaking. He says, abide in me and I in you. Now the word abide here, other translations may say remain and still others may say stay. But to abide is to remain. You could even translate the word to dwell. Abide in me and I in you. In other words, you remain in Christ and Christ remains in you. I had someone ask me once, they said, are, are Christians, he was not a believer, he goes, are Christians in Christ or is Christ in them? I'm confused. And I said, both. Both. He's in us and we're in him. It's, it's that kind of relationship. It's an abiding relationship. It's where we remain, where we stay, where we dwell with one another. Abide in me and I in you, says Jesus, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I've used this example before, but if you see fruit on a vine, you know that that vine is connected to a source. And so we are called to abide in Christ, to remain in Christ as he remains in us. How do you do that? How do you abide in God, this God that we don't see? We can feel his presence. We can know that he's there. There's something inside of us that tells us, yes, he's here. But it's not like, you know, a car or or a jacket or a a physical thing that we can touch with our hands. He's, He's not like, how do we abide in him? Well, to remain or to stay in Christ is to never separate yourself from him or leave his presence. See, many times our churches, our Sunday school lessons, have taught us that abiding in Jesus is working for Jesus. 
The idea that a relationship with Christ has to do with what you do for Christ. Now, in a little bit, you're about to see that we should be doing stuff for Christ. But that's simply evidence that you're abiding. It's not how you abide. So how do we abide in Christ? You know, many of us, we think of our relationship with God and we, we think that, you know, God is number one in my life. Have you ever said that before or heard someone say that? God's number one in my life. God's number one. Family's number two. Third place is uh, my ministry. Fourth place is my job. Fifth place is my friends. And sixth place is entertainment and hobbies and whatever else I want to do. But that's, that's my, God's number one in my life. That's actually not doable. You're like, wait, 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 what? Just hold on. That's a priority list. It's good for helping you make decisions. Should I keep my promise to my spouse or to my children? Or should I go off with my friends from work? Well, priority, keep your promise to your family, right? But it's not a, a, a way, it's, it's not a practical way to abide in Christ. It's simply a priority list. It's good for making decisions, but it's an impossible way to live when it comes to your time management. If you live by this list, Jesus being number one, you'll start to do Christianity instead of be a Christian. The list compartmentalizes God. You end up making bad choices because there's God, there's family, there's ministry, there's work, and you're not acting like you know God at work because God and work are four sections apart from each other. See what I'm saying? And then by the time you get down to your hobbies and your entertainment choices, God's nowhere near those because you're in this linear list. Are you with me? There's a better way of living. I like to call this the abiding circle where Jesus is at the center of everything. Instead of him being number one on a priority list where he's compartmentalized, where you check your devotion for the morning and then you go do the rest of your day apart from him, this is the concept where you take him with you everywhere that you go. Here in the abiding circle, God is the central point from which all other areas of your life flow. There's no longer this idea of the sacred and the secular. I had my sacred time with Jesus when I read my Bible this morning and prayed and listened to worship. And now I'm going to go spend time with my family. And now I'm going to go to work. And now I'm going to go catch a movie. And now I'm going to go out to eat with friends. Does that make sense? So, so that's compartmentalization. But here, this idea is where Jesus is the center of everything and everything else that you can possibly do is still connected to him. This way, you take God everywhere that you go. See, God doesn't want to be number one in your life. He wants to be your life. And there's a big difference. And if we can get this concept... You know, when I go to the grocery store, I don't always do this perfectly. God's with me. It keeps me from doing dumb stuff. <laughs> when I'm driving in my car, God's with me. When I'm, when I'm at home, even after a bad day, I'm, God's with me. You know, we, we can't compartmentalize God. And I understand the idea of God's number one. He should be number one, but he should be number one as a function of him being at the center. And everything else is connected to him Instead of this linear up and down list 
It's this circle where everything flows out from our relationship with him. Guys, this is abiding. This is my expectation for me this year. I want it to be your expectation for you this year. How do you think it would change our community if Christians learned how to live this way? How do you think it would change your workplace if you brought God into your workplace? Not just have my devotional, now I'm having work time. What if you brought your, what if you lived a devotional at work? And and you learn how to abide wherever you are, whatever you're doing, wherever you go. What, how would this change your family life? (laughs) If God wasn't just restricted to the breakfast table with an open devotional book. But he was also in the den. He was also in the kitchen. He's also in every single area of your home. See how this works? Instead of making God number one on a priority list, make him the center of everything that you do. And he'll, he longs to be with you. He longs to be the center of everything. He longs to be connected to every part of your life. There's no sacred and secular. When you're a believer, you're in Christ and he's in you, everything's sacred because he's there all the time. Guys, this is the better way to live. This is abiding, and guess what this will do? This will create fruit in your life because when you abide in the vine, then fruit is produced. Which brings me to my next expectation for myself and and for you guys this next year is I'm expecting to be used however God wants. I'm just expecting God can use me however he wants. I want to illustrate this. I want to tell you about the three types of towels that there are. Um, this here, this is called a decorative towel. Guys, ladies, hang this up around the house and you're not supposed to use it. Oh, I know it's a towel, but don't treat it like a towel. Okay? It's a decorative towel. And guys, if you're having trouble de- de- determining if it's, a, if it's a real towel or a decorative towel, look for color, look for an image. <laughs> if it looks nice, don't touch it, okay? It's only for decoration, all right? Yeah, it's a towel, but don't use it, all right? So we have a decorative towel. You guys are familiar with these. We have another type of towel. We have a bath towel. Hopefully everyone uses these. Now, this is... This is Tiffany's favorite towel. She got this um, at a gift exchange around Christmas, like several several years ago. And it's, I want to show it to you here. It's a butt face towel. I asked permission from the other pastors to show this to you guys. They said it was fine. So part of the towel is specifically for your face. And the other part you can just read. And so this towel, this is a bath towel. Now, here's the thing about bath towels, okay? Bath towels, bath towels are great at what they do. They only do one thing. If there's a big spill, if there's a big 
you know, a leak somewhere else, if there's something going on, then you don't use your bath towel. It's a nice bath. It's just for, it's just for right, my face and my butt. That's all that's for, right? So we have our decorative towel that's just there to look good, but you don't use it, all right? Just look at it. And then you have your bath towel that gets used irregularly, but only one way. But here we have, this is a garage towel. Yeah, it's got stains all over it. You wouldn't wanna, you wouldn't wanna wash yourself with this, right? This is for cleaning up spills. This is if the dog barfs. Uh, this is if there's a leak. This is if, if you know, this, is, this does the dirty work, right? Everyone needs a garage, a garage towel. Everyone needs a, a something that you can just grab and, and just clean stuff up with. Guys, I don't want to be the towel that you just look at. Wow, what a great Christian they are. I've never heard them say a bad word. But they don't do anything. I don't want to be a bath towel. <laughs> I don't want to be a bath towel that gets used, but only gets used in one way. I mean, how many times do Christians... We're just like, well, I, you know, I, I just lead worship. That's all I do. I'm not going to help anyone park their car. I'm not going to pray with anyone to get saved. I lead worship. Or you know what? I'm an evangelist. I'm going to pray all day that people get saved and pray with them. I'm going to go to Walmart and force people to pray a prayer in the produce aisle. But don't ask me to greet people at church. I don't do that. Or, hey, I, I'm just a greeter at church, but don't ask me to pray. Don't ask me to pray. I like to sit there and smile at people. Don't ask me to pray. Or, hey, I'm an intercessory prayer person. But don't ask me to teach the word. I don't do that. I'm a teacher of the word. But don't, don't ask me to, you see how this is? You see how this works? It's so easy. And I get it. And we have all these, these things that help us identify our spiritual gifts. And, and we should identify our spiritual gifts. And, you know, your, your personality is this. And your spiritual gift is this. But, hey, look. I, the world needs this. Because the world is a mess. I want to be used by God however he sees fit. I want to serve people no matter who they are or what they're going through. I want to be used by the Lord the best way possible. And even if I get a little bit on me, that's okay. That's okay. You know, God considers serving others the same as serving him. You know that we love God by loving others? Think about it. You can't have a relationship with God and not the people that he loves. That doesn't make any sense. In the same way, you couldn't love me while at the same time being mean to my children. Well, how do you think God feels when we say we love him, but yet we don't serve the ones that he loves? He considers serving others the same as serving him. Think about it. Jesus isn't here in the flesh anymore. He was. Now he's seated at the right hand of the Father. How can we serve Jesus? Well, Scripture, Jesus himself, clearly says that the way that we serve him is by serving others. Matthew 25, 37 through 40. It says this. When these righteous ones will reply, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink, or a stranger and show you hospitality, or naked and give you clothing? When did we ever see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will say, I tell you the truth, when you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were doing it to me. 
See, God considers your service to other people service to him. And by the way, the, the phrase, the least of these, it means the most insignificant among you. Why does God care if you do something to the least significant among you? Because there's no one insignificant to him. There's no such thing in the kingdom. And when you make a point to actually fight against the world's way of honoring people who are important and dishonoring people who aren't, the Lord loves that. He really loves that. You don't have to choose between helping others and helping yourself. Don't wait to get your life together to start serving others. Serving others is how you get your life together. So many times people are like, well, you know, I, I want to be used by God, Jamie, but, you, you know, I'm still working through this. I'm still doing this. Well, look, we're not going to put you on the prayer team. <laughs> we're not going to let you lead worship if you can't sing. But the way that you grow is by serving others. Matthew chapter 20, 25 through 28, Jesus is talking to his disciples. It says, Jesus called them together and said, you know that the rulers of this world lord it over their people and officials flout their authority over those, who, uh, uh, over those under them. But among you, it will be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant and whoever wants to be first among you must become your slave. For even the Son of Man, he's referring to himself, even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. A servant mentality will grow as spiritual maturity grows. One of the things you should look for in your own life as you grow in Christ, because we're all grown in him, right? One of the things you should look for, the way, the way that you can self-assess, the way that you can examine yourself is to ask yourself, do I have the desire to serve other people? Because this is how we're used in the way that he wants. Don't just be a decorative towel. Don't just be a bath towel that's good, but it's good for one thing. Be the garage towel. That's what I want to be. Be willing to mop up all the different spills that life brings. Be willing to deal with all the different situations that life deals with, right? That life sends us. Man, that's how I want to be. You know, good works are not what get us saved. But good works are the evidence that we have been saved. I like to put it this way. You don't work to get saved, but once you're saved, you get to work. And that's that's what I expect for myself. That's what I'd love for you to expect for yourself this year is to be used however God wants. And my question for you is this. Here we are, 2021. Do you have great expectations? Are you, are, are you living, look, I've talked with some people that are like, I'm terrified. <laughs> I'm terrified of this next year. Look, that's not a godly mentality. It's just not. It's not a kingdom mentality. Do you have great expectations for 2021? Let's stand for prayer. It's really good to see you guys. If you will, take a moment, close your eyes. Just invite the Holy Spirit to speak to us. Ask the Holy Spirit in this moment, what are my expectations for 2021? 
Lord, is there fear in my heart? Is there pride in my heart? And ask him, are we abiding, Lord? Or do I remain in you and you in me? Lord, Lord, am I allowing myself to be used however you want? What's that feeling? What's that thought when you ask that to the Lord? What do you hear? What do you sense? It could be the Holy Spirit speaking. Let me lead you in a prayer. If you will, pray this after me. Say, Lord Jesus, I want to have great expectations for this next year. Lord, I pray that I would abide in you and you would abide in me. And I give you permission to use me however you see fit. My life is yours. Lord, I don't know what's going to happen during this next year. But I know who my Savior is. And I know who my King is. And I give you my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Tiff, will you close us? Hey, once again, thanks for listening to the VFC podcast. If you live in the Thomasville area, we would love for you to connect with us in person. For more information about our weekly gatherings, including service times and directions, just visit us at vfcthomasville.org.